I invite you to turn with me in your copy of the Holy Scripture to Genesis chapter number 12 this morning. Genesis 12. I would like to begin by playing a little game. The game is for me to guess what you are thinking. I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to tell you what you are thinking. We play this game at home. We call it marriage, right? And so, <laughs> so here's how the game works. Um, I'm going to say something. I'm going to name a Bible character. And when I name a Bible character, something will pop into your mind, and I will tell you what you are thinking. If I say Daniel, I know what you're thinking. Daniel and the lion's den. If I say Noah, you are thinking of Noah and the ark. If I say Adam and Eve, you are thinking of the Garden of Eden. If I say Moses, you may be thinking of the baby in the bulrushes or perhaps the parting of the Red Sea or the receiving of the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai. See, I'm good at this game, aren't I? Kim and I have a great marriage. I, uh, <laughs> if I name the name Abram or Abraham, you think of faith. You say, oh no, Pastor Matt, I am not thinking of faith. Well, you ought to be thinking of faith, all right? You might have thought of Abraham leaving his home country for an unknown far country. Okay, that is faith. You might have thought about the covenant promises God made to Abram, the promise of a land to make him a great nation. Okay, that took faith to receive those promises. Maybe you thought of Abraham sacrificing his only son Isaac in obedience to God's command. Folks, that was faith. That the root of all of these circumstances in Abram's life was a faith decision, a choice to trust the word of God. The Bible tells us that Abram's faith was then credited to him, accounted to him for righteousness, and it was because of his faith that Abram's name is listed in Hebrews 11. Genesis 12 introduces us to this man, Abram, the patriarch we know for his faith. In the following 12 chapters now, Abram, later Abraham, will, will be the main character in a drama we will call the life of faith. But through it all, the story of Abram, or Abraham, and his faith is really the story of God. It's the story of God's faithfulness to Abram, as Pastor Jeremy emphasized last Sunday. But this first scene from Genesis 12 the first scene in this drama, the life of faith, I'm calling Abram and the path of faith. Let's pause briefly for prayer and then we'll study God's holy word. God in heaven above, we acknowledge that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the, the God of your people Israel. You are the God of the apostles and the first century church. You are our God as well. And you have never wavered, you have never turned, you have never changed. And so we acknowledge you and worship you this morning. Lord, I pray that as we read your holy word that you will strengthen our faith, that we might 
commit to obeying what you have commanded us to. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A familiar and favorite scripture passage for all of us is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. In fact, you know it well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, for he will direct your paths. In the next few moments as we work our way through Genesis 12, I would have us bring this scripture passage to bear upon the life of Abram or Abraham. Abram was a successful businessman. He was married to a beautiful woman. Abram was well established. He was wealthy. He had a a respected pedigree that included from Adam, Seth, and Enoch, and Noah, and Shem. But in spite of all of these things, Abram was a poor, lost sinner on the path to eternity apart from God until God spoke to Abram. Genesis 12, we read it last week, we read it already this morning, but look again, Genesis 12, verse number one. Now the Lord, this is Jehovah Yahweh, said said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed, As Yahweh had spoken to him and Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. In your notes, number one, Abram's faith. Abram's faith, the first sub-point, I would suggest Abram found the path of faith. Abram found the path of faith or, or did he? In fact, the story of Abram's faith doesn't begin with Abram finding God, but God finding Abram. And my outline is actually in error. Subpoint letter A deserves an asterisk here when, when we claim that Abram found the path of faith, for in fact, it was God's initiative. In the vernacular, we might say we found peace, or we, we found the Lord, or we found hope, or we found forgiveness of sins, but the truth of the matter is we haven't found anything, but God found us. And I would be remiss not to emphasize that Abram did not go looking for God. God reached out to Abram. Folks, many times in our lives, we go looking to find God and to find God's will when it is in fact God's will that finds us. God intervenes, he interrupts our lives, he reveals his will to us even when we aren't even looking And so we might frame our story or our journey in terms of discovering something or finding something or learning something, but know that it is God who is the primary actor in the affairs of men. Abram found the path of faith. No, God reached out and put Abram on this path, and it began with a statement of revelation from God. The word of God pierced through the darkness and the deadness of Abram's soul and God spoke to him about a new place and a new people and sure enough, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, the the life of faith cannot exist apart from the word of God, the reading of God's word and the preaching of God's word and the memorizing and the meditating on God's word and we ought not to take a single step in our faith journey apart from consulting the word of God. What did David say? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our path. Maybe this morning you feel like you are wandering around in the darkness of life. I would point you to the light of God's word, his revealed 
word. And, and so there was revelation from God and following that revelation from God, there was a response from Abram and he took that first step of, of faith, verse number four. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. By faith. And by definition, the path of faith is a path of the unseen. Abram didn't know where he was going. Pastor Jeremy explained this last week for us, yet Abram followed that path of God's promises. We don't always understand the direction. We can't always see the outcome. That's the the path of, of faith. Letter B, Abram followed that path, that path of faith. Verse number five, then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land of the place of Shechem as far as the Terebeth tree of Morah and the Canaanites were there, were then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and, and said to him, to your descendants I will give this land and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mount east of Bethel and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the on the west and Ai on the east and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the, the Lord. Abram followed the path of faith. Have you ever considered the fact that Abram's obedience here was actually only partial at this point? See, God told Abram to leave his national and his natural ties The instructions back in chapter 12, verse number one, were to get out of his country, away from his family and his father's house. Look at verse one again. The Lord said, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house. Yet Abram brought his family and his father's house with him. And folks, that partial obedience impeded his progress, in fact. It wasn't until the death of Terah, his father, that the true pilgrimage began. And then Lot, his nephew, that Abram brought along, uh, really proved to be a, a trial. Nonetheless, even that partial faith, Romans 4 explains that Abram's faith was credited to him for righteousness. Hebrews 11 acknowledges that Abram, by faith, obeyed God in this matter. Verse number six, looking there, we find Abram waiting. I'm sorry, in verse number six, we find Abram walking, walking first in verse number six. And obedience demands some action, some movement or motion. Then in verses six and seven, we find Abram waiting. He was walking and now he's waiting. And and he had arrived, but he wasn't quite sure what to do. Canaan was a corrupt place and the Canaanites were cursed and condemned by God. And I can imagine Abram saying to himself, this isn't really what I expected. This isn't really what I wanted. But he waited for God to direct his paths while he may have been tempted to lean on his own understanding. And so while we are waiting for God to reveal our plans and while we are walking through a strange land with strange people all around us, and folks, Things are strange today, right? And we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. What do we do? Do we light a torch and start a revolution? Or do we wait? And we find Abram waiting. But then in verses seven and eight, look there. After Abram's walking, after his waiting, verses seven and eight, Abram worshiped. He worshiped. 
And in some way, shape, or form, Abram understood that Jehovah required worship. So Abram built an altar, certainly suggesting sacrifice, and he worshiped there in verse seven and, and also there in verse number, verse number eight. And Abram settled, he pitched his tent between Bethel and Ai, he, he worshiped again there in verse number eight, and, and, and yet I will warn you about the path of faith. There are often seasons of waiting and we by nature don't like that. In two verses, he built two altars and he, he worshiped twice. And maybe God would have us to wait and to worship. And folks, maybe, I don't know your story, but maybe you are in the waiting room of life right now. And you are waiting for God to act. You don't know why God has you there. You don't know where God is taking you, when he'll call your name, when you may move forward. It may be for no other reason than to teach you to trust him and to give you opportunity to build an altar and worship him. My experience is that it's harder to trust the Lord in waiting than in working. And I wanna do something. I wanna manufacture or manipulate circumstances to accomplish something or to go somewhere. And this place may not have been what Abram expected, but it was where God wanted Abram to be, near Bethel. Bethel means the house of God, building an altar and worshiping in a foreign land. Abram followed the path of faith, but then something happened in verse number nine. I moved quickly because this is where I want us to go this morning, verse number nine. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south, toward the the Negev, and I would submit to you, let her see, Abram forsook the path of faith. Where is Abram going now? He has been camped near Bethel, the house of God. He has been waiting and worshiping. He could have remained there. He should have remained there on that path of faith, the very property that God had promised to him, but he journeyed on, or should I say off, the path of faith. Why? History is replete with men and women of God who are on the path of faith. They're living in obedience. They followed the course that pleases the Lord and then there's a diversion and there's a change in direction and they turn aside and and many different things can be to blame. Perhaps it could be love. The attention or the attraction or the affection of some other person or thing. Maybe it could be a career. The promise and the potential of promotion. Maybe it could be disappointment. There's hurt and there's anger and uh, hope deferred that, that makes the heart sick. We could blame the world, the flesh, and the devil. It doesn't matter. What matters is that when we don't trust the Lord, we lean on our own understanding and we forge our own path. In Abram's case, going south. And I will call this Abram's failure. His failure. Verse number 10 Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there for the famine was severe in the land, in in the promised land of of Canaan. Abram encountered famine in verse number 10. And as any of us might have done, Abram leaned on his own understanding. He tried to escape the crisis by going down to Egypt. But let me ask us, was Egypt the promised land? No, of course not. Was Egypt to be his destination? No, of course not. God could have provided for Abram at Bethel in Canaan, but 
Abram's own understanding. He leaned on his own. You try to lean on yourself. You'll fall over. Abram leans on his own understanding and he he identifies a human solution. It's not God's way. And he goes to Egypt. And as always, it produced complications. Abram is in Egypt. He's, He's no longer suffering famine, but he's forced to deal with his fears. Abraham experienced fear. Notice Abram's fear in verses 11 and 12. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt. He hasn't even arrived there. He's on the way. He's off the path of faith. He's leaning on his own understanding. He's, he's directing his own path. And as he approaches Egypt, he says to Sarai, his wife, indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Well, that's good. There's no virtue in marrying an ugly woman, right? He, he marries a, a beautiful woman. That, that's always been my philosophy. And, and I'm proud to have married a beautiful woman. You're a beautiful woman, he says. Therefore, it will happen that the Egyptians will see you, that they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me. But they will let you live. Folks, fear is the opposite of faith. And there is nothing worse than being all alone and afraid. That's Abram here. It was during the the dark days of World War II, King George VI would sometimes speak to the British people over the BBC. Uh, He did so after Dunkirk. The Allied forces were in complete disarray. Winston Churchill had sought to rally the nation. He had organized the Home Guard, but they were a pitiful force made up of the, the unfit, the elderly men who were unable to serve in the regular army. They were assigned to the Home Guard. The Home Guard was a a paper army that paraded with broomsticks, if you will, and the future was dark. Then the king came on the radio and he sought to touch the nation's spiritual cords. And for George VI of England, a, a truly saved man, a godly man, he sought to rally their spirits in this way. Just behind was Dunkirk, just ahead was the Battle of Britain. And most of what George VI said that day has been forgotten, but one poem that he quoted has lived on, and I'll project it for you there, it's on the back of your notes. And I said to the man who stood at the gate of the year, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And he replied, go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. So I went forth, and finding the hand of God, trod gladly into the nights, and he led me toward the hills and the breaking of the day in the lone east. Folks, when we turn from trusting in the Lord We move down our own path according to our own understanding. We take our hand out of the hand of God. And we experience fear. And then we are so foolish, so foolish. That was the case for Abram. And so, once again, Abram's own understanding really created a solution. Look at verse number 13. Verse 13, please say you are my sister. 
that it may be well with me for your sake, that I may live because of you. Can you believe this man? He is selling out his own wife to save his skin. Verse 14. So it was when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman that she was very beautiful. We've established that. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. The true woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. Let her see Abram expressed a falsehood. I guarantee you, folks, hear me clearly. I guarantee you that lying and deceit will never solve your problem. They may postpone a problem, but they will compound the problem. And what Abram did here was unconscionable. How much better if Abram had gone into Egypt trusting the Lord? How much better if Abram had never gone into Egypt at all? But he's leaning on his own understanding. He's not trusting in the Lord with all his heart. He's leaning on his own understanding and and he's forging his own path. And to him a lie was the solution. But then came the flattery. Abram enjoyed the flattery in verse number 16. He, that is, Pharaoh, treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and and camels. And, you know, many times there is a season of immediate reward for leaning on our own understanding. And, And initially, Abram has escaped the famine. Abram has escaped the perceived threat on his life because of Sarai. And and he's enjoying now the gifts of the Pharaoh. Undoubtedly, he had made friends in high places. But be sure that your sin will find you out. Verse number 17, but the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister I might have taken her as my wife now therefore here is your wife take her and go your way so Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and sent him away and his wife and all that he he had Abram exposed his failure you see folks God intended for Abram to be a blessing early in chapter 12 Through you, in you, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Of course, ultimately a reference to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. But Abram's failure proved to be a curse to everyone involved. And when confronted, Abram was shamed. Ironically here, it appears to me that the Pharaoh was a a finer man than Abram the believer. Folks, there's a lot a lot more to be said about Abram in the life of faith. And as we continue through this biography of Abram in the book of Genesis, I warn you now of a roller coaster that we will ride. The roller coaster of Abram's faith, the highs and the lows. And while this patriarch was certainly commended for his faith, yet he was a man like us with the crises of faith all along the way. And folks, the the honesty and the transparency of this Bible record actually encourages me because at times we feel that our salvation is dependent upon our faith. What if we didn't believe enough to be saved? What if we don't believe enough now to keep our salvation? At times you might feel that your sanctification is dependent upon your your faith. I I, I believe, but I need to believe more. And, and, And I blew it, I messed up, and I failed in some way again. 
And like Abraham, you, you experience the highs and the lows of faith, but by God's grace, your faith is credited for righteousness, and because of God's faithfulness to Abram and God's faithfulness to us, he will hold us fast. That was the conclusion of Pastor Jeremy's teaching last Sunday from this very same text. I don't know where you're at this morning. You may be living in Egypt. Maybe you have strayed far, far off the path that God would have you walk. You say, but pastor, what are my options now? What do I do now? Turn in repentance and exercise faith by obeying God's commands. Leave Egypt, go back to Bethel. Build an altar and worship there. Maybe you've journeyed so far from God where where he wants you to be and you're in the proverbial Egypt with your walk with God. You are the proverbial prodigal son who is far, far away from home. It was the hymn writer who put it this way, I have wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. I've wasted many precious years. Now I'm coming home. I now repent in bitter tears. Lord, I'm coming home. I'm tired of sin and straying, Lord. Now I'm coming home. I'll trust thy love, believe thy word. Lord, I'm coming home. My soul is sick. My heart is sore. My strength renew. My hope restore. You see the lyrics there. My only hope, my only plea that Jesus died and died for me. I need his cleansing blood, I know. Oh, wash me whiter than the snow. Lord, I'm coming home, coming home, coming home never more to roam. Open wide thy arms of love, Lord, I'm coming home. Folks, this morning I, I charge you to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And maybe you need to reclaim Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's everyone's life verse. But I think it's something that we need to hold on to again, trusting the Lord and he will direct our paths. Let's pray. God in heaven, we find ourselves to be like Abram the man of great faith who failed miserably in the moment of famine, in the moment of fear, he forsook the path of faith. God, he leaned on his own understanding and and, and we understand this because so often it's our own story, it's our own journey. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning that you would draw them back to yourself and with your arms embrace them as they return home May we wait patiently. May we worship faithfully. May we obey in every way. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.